All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, it's been another wild weekend for the Edmonton Orders. Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Coming to you live in the E-Well Studios. How are you? It is game day as the Edmonton Orders are taking on the New York Islanders. Remember, it's a little bit of an earlier puck drop. Tonight, around 6.42, to be exact. That is when the uh, puck will drop tonight. And uh, Chris Knobloch will become officially an NHL head coach. It is the uh, Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Orders Nation YouTube presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Get in the game, baby. Just a little tip for you, just so you know. Never in his career has Connor McDavid gone four games without a point. He has no points in his last three. So... Take that for what you want to play Alberta.ca. Let's get to the uh, spec report brought to you by GS Construction. Uh, family-run business. It's going to be celebrating 50 years next year. Built it out. Uh, dad started. Now uh, Turan runs it. And I'll tell you, if you're looking for a fantastic company to work for, then they are there. Great benefits. Great company. Really good culture there, too. Lots of sports fans. You'll fit right in. Go to Indeed.com and look up GS Construction as uh, Mr. Specter uh, joins us once again. Spec, how you doing, my man? Oh, never been better, man. Never been better. Lots of hockey, lots of stories, lots of columns, whole lots of stuff going on around this town these days, huh? <laughs> there is no uh, shortage of storylines uh, for certain on the, uh, on the orders. I, I guess give me your... 
Give me your thoughts now that you've had uh, a few days to to dissect what uh, what went down with uh, with Woodcroft and then the hirings and the replacements. What do you think? Well, I think it, uh, it unfortunately it had to happen. You know, it it does seem weird firing a coach with a 640 winning percentage, but they didn't fire a coach with a 640 winning percentage. They fired a coach that was two nine and one. You know, that's the coach they fired, right? It didn't matter what he'd done in the last two years because this is supposed to be a playoff year. And there's an owner sitting out in down in California or Vancouver or wherever Daryl Cates is, and he's counting on some playoff games out of this team. And uh, honestly, I think a lot of the pressure came straight from the top on this one. So that was, uh, you know, that went down the way it went down. And um, the new coach is here, and uh, let's see how he does. He, I, I don't know him well. I don't even know how he coaches that much. I thought I liked a few of the things he said today, but he did not come in with all the answers, which I think is a good thing, Jason. A hundred percent. This was not a guy who was going to, you know, oh, we're going to be the hardest working team. We're going to do this or that. Uh, I thought he was. I thought he was quite confident. This is what I like to play. This is like the system that I want to play. These are the things we're going to try to implement. We want our team to play fast, right? Uh, we, we want to be better in the defensive zone. And, you know, then talked about a few other things, but nothing nothing over the top, nothing uh, uh, crazy uh, at all. Um, I, th- I thought it was actually pretty sound. I, I like the fact that he wasn't shy to say, hey, this is how, these are the things we're going to implement as a team. There, you know, none of this cloak and dagger stuff that <laughs> happens too often in the NHL. Like, give me a break. You know what? Uh, yeah. I, I, I never saw John Cooper do that. I'm just using it as an example because he's been pretty successful. So I, I don't think that's necessary uh, whatsoever. Um, the odd one, though, let's be honest, I don't think we can avoid it. It's rare to have an advisor to the owner as an assistant coach now. Yes. Uh, Paul Coffey as an assistant is the one thing in this whole, um, you know, this this turning carousel. It's the one horse that all the horses are white in the carousel and that one's kind of blue or green or yellow. <laughs> it doesn't seem to have the same. I get everything else. I'm not sure I get that. Uh, and, and you know what? I don't. I know Paul Coffey a little bit and I got a ton of respect for him, man. Like, you know. He's Paul Coffey for crying a lot. I don't need to give you his resume. Uh, I guess the only question that I have with Paul Coffey is, and and I'm not gonna, I'm not saying he's lazy. I'm not saying he doesn't want to work hard, but I am wondering if he wants to be an assistant coach because I know how hard assistant coaches have to work. Assistant coaches show up at the rink at six thirty in the morning and start going over every one of their defensemen shifts and then they sit down with those defensemen and they hold meetings and they run drills and man assistant coaches in today's game they work long hours and they work hard if cough wants to do that if that's who he is and he wants to do it he'll be able to do it uh at his stage of his life and with the business deals he's made on has on his resume if I was him, I'm not sure I'd want to work that hard, Jay. <laughs> I I think, Spec, that this is not a long term with Paul Coffey as the assistant coach. And some can say yeah. that that's maybe adds to the dysfunction. Valid. Uh, I think it's one where um, th- they think he can help Knobloch early on, get his feet under him, and and then look to see – you know what, can you can you bring another coach? Well, you could just, you know, Stewart's been around, right? Uh, doesn't have a boatload of experience, but he's been around, former NHL player. Could he run your defense, right? That's what we'll see. But, like, I think if Paul Coffey 
if he stays on the full year, that's the longest he stays on. Oh, for sure. If he, they said he's going to do it till the end of the year, I we'll see, you know, we'll see. Um, and like, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying negative things about Paul, believe me, but I just, I, I thought Paul was very comfortable in the role he had before that allowed him to, you know, come and go from the team a little bit. When you're an assistant coach, man, you were embedded and you were there every second of every day. So if he's up for the task, you know, it's always hard to know. Like, listen, you know, the great Maurice Richard, right, or uh, <clears throat> was not a very good head coach back in the – whenever he coached in the 60s. You know, Wayne Gretzky, his coaching resume wasn't great. He's Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player ever to play the game – didn't turn out to be the greatest coach ever to coach the game. So just because you were a great player and very few did what Paul Coffey did better than what he did, man. He, we all watched him growing up. Uh, but it does not always, it does not always, you know, draw a straight line to bring a great coach. I guess we're going to find that out now, aren't we? Oh, 100%, right? I, hey, smart guy. Um, it was played a lot. Yep. And you know yep. what? Coaching nowadays is as much about communication spec as it is anything else. Um, you know, like the, the players now have watched video. Like players many decades ago didn't watch video, so the coaches could teach them stuff. Nowadays, lots of these players are watching video in junior, right? Heck, there's some people yep. that are watching video, you know, in, in, in the U18 and such, right? So they're well-versed in that stuff. It's now, yeah, you can always tweak little things here or there. But a lot of it is just communicating with your players, trying to keep their confidence high, right? Knowing when and how to relate to different guys. Maybe one guy needs a kick in the rear end. Maybe another guy needs a pat on the back. That, to me, is the bigger one. It's not like there's some massive secret here about systems or anything like that. I, I think where coaching can matter is in a playoff series when you have to – where you're locked in on one team now and you have to find the yeah. area to exploit. In the regular season, you're playing a different team every time, so you're like, okay, hey, this is our system. We pretty much play it to a T, and then the odd game, maybe, you might tweak something if some team has a glaring thing. But you, you play Seattle on yeah. Saturday, and then you're playing the island. Do you think they're coming down now, breaking down, and having a whole new thing? Of course not. So I, I think coaching maybe there's no. more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. Although I think you're saying everything you just said is 100% true. And remember, too, they've got a ton of experience here. Like Glenn Gullitson, he's been around this team for about five years, and he's been a head coach on two other teams. Uh, you've got the head coach in Chris Knobloch, who I, you know, I'm going to say has got to be qualified for this. We're going to find that out. I'm sure he is. Uh, and then you got Mark Stewart. He's been, you know, I assume he'll, I don't know who changes the D-man tonight. Uh, and here's a name you should keep track of. Somebody phoned me the other day yesterday and said, watch out for uh, Jay McKee. He's the head coach, the old Sabres defenseman. Yeah, yeah. Him and Knobloch have a relation. They have a relationship. He's a head coach in Barry, I believe right now, the Barry okay. Colts. Uh, that could be a name that could end up on the radar here at some point. Okay, fair enough. Um, the owners actually played really well against Seattle Spec, right? Like they 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 got up four nothing. You know, had some hardworking goals. Then they didn't give the game away. In the second period, they outshot them nine to four. They didn't take any any big risks. And then, you know, I saw people complaining. Oh, they sat back. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, no offense. If you're the fan who complained about the orders sitting back, 
when they didn't give up many good chances, having seen them lose game after game, like grab a clue. Seriously, go outside, grab a capital C, try to find an L, a U, and an E because you don't have one. Because that is like this team has sucked at protecting leads and giving up goals. And now you're complaining because they sat back too much and they won four to one. It might be the most inane complaint I've heard in a long time. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I, I watched with uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman of The Athletic. We were the two guys on the road here sitting in Seattle, and obviously it's 4 nothing at the end of the first. And and I said to Daniel, I said, I don't think it gets past five tonight. There was a time when four would have turned into seven or eight and the big boys would have feasted. Now, maybe if McDavid and Drysaddle were going better, it might have. Mm-hmm. But that team showed – very little nose for the net the last two periods. They did what you said. They said, we got four. This is going to be enough tonight. We need this win so badly. We are not letting it get away. 100%. And it's just good to see an Oilers team with that ability, the ability to shut her down. We haven't seen it much. Uh, so I, I'm with you, man. Four was enough. And, and I thought that Oilers fans should be happy to watch their team get in 40 clean minutes. Okay, one power play goal, but 40 pretty clean minutes of hockey at the end of that game. Yeah, and, and a power play goal off a guy's skate. Like, smart play by Schwartz, right? But, uh, you know, it wasn't like they gave yeah, up yeah. a tic-tac-toe goal or anything. And we'll see. It's one game because we saw we said this after the Calgary game, and then they soiled the sheets, and it was giveaway a rama against Dallas uh, the next day despite the yes. 49 shots. So yeah. uh, what do you make of, um, like, to me, splitting up dry settle McDavid makes sense. Um, I'm curious about Kane, Drysaddle, Nugent, Hopkins, McDavid, because those left wingers seemingly have worked better with the other one, but we'll see. Well, we'll see. I've, I, you know, I thought he that that Knobloch explained it pretty well today. You know, if you mix, he said, if you play them on separate lines, both of those guys command so much ice time, it's hard to get enough ice time for your third and fourth line, and that's why coaches end up putting them together. And, you know, and then there's the temptation. He, he already admitted to it. Look, he says, you're down in a game. You're coming out of a penalty kill. Uh, there is the temptation to put them together. He really spelled out how it is that coaches end up wrestling with that problem together or apart. I'm a, a believer in the apart because I think it gives you something to go to in game, right? As opposed to if you start them together and you don't have enough goals, pulling them apart doesn't usually help. So I believe you start games with those two guys apart and it gives you a plan B. Um, but, you know, I think you'll see this coach, hey, any coach, if it's 3-2 in 10 minutes left in the game, you find me the NHL coach that isn't going to put those two guys over the boards together once in a while. Yeah, no, it's very true. Speck, we'll see you at the rink. What do you we'll think see- of the, uh, Go ahead. What do you think of all the McDavid stuff today and, and the stuff out there about uh, him pulling the strings and running the show and hiring the coach and the president? What do you think about all that? Um, well, unless he's a really good actor, I don't believe he uh, he knew this hiring was coming. Like, did, did you hear him and Knobloch talk about one another? Like, they really haven't communicated in the last eight years. Both of them said that. So yeah. I, I, I don't think that the, that would be the guy. I, I, now, like, I think Jeff Jackson has way more insight into Knobloch than McDavid ever did. A, you know, look at how many clients of Jeff Jackson's have played under Knobloch in Erie and in Philly and in Hartford. Go look it up. Frank Saravalli mm-hmm. tweeted out. There's a lot of them. So, you know what? You talk to the guys because when you're the agent, you're going to get a real good feel of how players feel about the coach, (laughs) right? Like a really good, honest assessment from that player about what they think of the coach. 
So I think he has a lot of clients over the year that have worked for him who, uh, who give him a good insight into non-block. Yeah, I thought that uh, – I think Connor's not – I wrote a column on this. It's up on sportsnet.ca, and I thought it was a story of the day today. I thought – I mean, in terms of the angle that I chose to write. Uh, I don't – I don't. Connor doesn't like what he's hearing. Connor's not – he doesn't like people saying that he's the guy making these calls. He doesn't like that one bit. You know, you know Connor a little bit. I know Connor a little bit. Uh, the one thing he doesn't want to be viewed as is a guy who thinks he's better than the group or special or – or a guy who, you know, is behind the scenes. Let me tell a quick story. It's in my column. It'll be quick, Jay. The last Olympics, in the summer before the last Winter Olympics, and we still thought that NHLers had a chance that they might be going to the Olympics, uh, McDavid skated, I think it was at Gary Roberts' camp, with Sid Crosby. And I was told, I was told by somebody at that camp, McDavid made sure to get on the same line and spent some time playing with Sid. That summer, I asked McDavid about it in the fall, and he he said, I'm not talking about it. And that's it. He didn't explain it. He didn't do nothing. But here's why I wouldn't talk about it. Because if he doesn't want people to think that he was already managing the lines before the Olympic coach even was picked, he doesn't want to be accused of, oh, yeah, I was playing with Sid because I'm going to go to the Olympics and tell the coach I want to play with Sid. He is so not the guy, right? I know the kid a little some, you know, you and I have been around him enough, Jay. I'm not saying we're buddies. We're not going out for beers. But what I know about McDavid is this whole thing about him sitting in the back and manipulating and re- holding the strings and making the calls, no chance. Yeah, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Spec, have a good one. All right, see you tonight, Jay. That's Mark Spector. Spec Report brought to you by GS Construction. Uh, when we return, Kevin Woodley will join us. We'll talk uh, goaltending. And more. The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 525. How are you? Game day. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you on Sports 1440. Let's get to Kevin Woodley, who uh, joins us uh, every Monday on the show. As uh, we go uh, in the room, brought to you by Next Gen Transportation, heavy haul transport provider, 100% locally owned and Operated, and uh, hey, they got new trailers in, and they're ready to roll. So check them out now at nextgentransportation.com. Is uh, Kevin Woodley joins us? Woodley, how you doing? I'm good, Jason. I'm good. All right, let's uh, let's get right into it. Um, uh, Stuart Skinner uh, had a better game. And, uh, no surprise uh, when you when you're not getting uh, you know giving up tons of chances. But to me, the key was he made a high danger save early because he hasn't made enough of those. He had an expected save percentage of one of the worst on high dangers. He made a good save early, gave him some confidence, gave the team confidence, and then they rolled. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's, fun, it's funny because Seattle didn't generate much in that game, and yet how different would it have been if that one goes in early, right? So yeah. um, they only had three high danger on the night, but I think it's easier to sort of settle into your game and play better defense like there's a level of trust required of the goaltenders behind you as much as, you know, I've railed pretty heavily on how bad they've been defensively and the numbers continue to back that up. But when you don't get the save, what happens is everybody starts to try and do everybody else's job, right? Like I've got to block that shot, even if it's not in the lane that I'm responsible for, I've got to make sure this guy doesn't get the shot. Like you just, you try and do too much 
when you don't trust the goaltending to do its job. And pretty soon, if everybody's chasing around, nobody's doing their job. And it's that's a tough snowball once it gets rolling downhill to stop. And so um, making that save early probably played a role in, you know, Edmonton doing a better job defensively uh, against Seattle than, frankly, they've done in a long time. Uh, I saw you had an article. Uh, Jack Campbell, of course, was in Abbotsford uh, playing two games. Um in your conversation with Jack, uh, what'd you make of obviously his career is not going the way he wanted it right now, uh, you know, trying to refine himself in the American League? Yeah, no, I think first and foremost, Jason, um, you know, and, and it was in that article on NHL.com, he feels good about his game. And, you know, I, I think that that might be a little tough to rectify with the numbers when he got sent down. <laughs> yeah. Um but, you know, again, we've talked about where he was, to, you know, where they were defensively. Uh, his numbers before the Nashville game were exactly where they were adjusted, say, percentage-wise, when he was in Toronto for those two, those two years. I think more to the point, for him to be able to say that and feel that is important for Jack Campbell because, as he said to me, like, and I had to paraphrase it a little bit in the quotes because the, the, the actual quote was, if I had had those numbers a couple of years ago, it wouldn't have mattered whether I thought I was playing well. I would have been beating the living bleep out of myself. And he's not doing that right now. And so um, he's got some help. Uh, I don't know if it's – I didn't ask. He didn't want to give me a name, and that's fine. Um, I don't know whether it's an actual sports psychologist or a mental mindset coach, but he's got some help since April. And he thinks that this person's made a massive difference. And I think talking to him – because the first one in Abbotsford didn't go that well either. And so the next morning at practice, out early, talking to him after the mindset he was able to bring to that and the sincerity with, with which he spoke about where his game was at, like those were all good things for Jack Campbell in terms of the person and the personality that we've seen, how hard he is on himself. I think that all bodes well. Now, he's still got to find his game. Uh, I know – there were strides taken last year, the work he did with Dustin Schwartz. He talked about Manny Legacy. And I, you know, I think that's one of those things where it's just that's new, so we ask about it. That's different, so we ask about it, and that's where he talks about. But the reality is he said he'd only worked with Manny for a little while in August after moving back to Michigan. I think a lot of the groundwork here started last year with Schwartz, and there's a couple of adjustments since then that they've worked through together. And you know, at the end of the day, he feels good about them. And that's all positive but they've got to start to produce results in the American league so we can get back to the NHL. Cause interestingly enough, I think he's better as an NHL goalie than he will be in the AHL because the reads he's typically pretty good at in terms of breaking down the game are typically easier and cleaner to make in the NHL. It's a game where there's less mistakes made in front of you. So be interesting to see how they handle it, whether he gets that opportunity, but at the very least in a very difficult situation, his mindset seems to be in the right place. Uh, there's lots of people wondering, you know, another coaching change, no goalie coaching change. And people are like, are you kidding me? Like at some point, maybe a different voice. I could understand. If the argument is maybe it's just time for a different voice, I could probably understand that one somewhat. Um, I believe, I don't know if the owners have ever had an A, well, I don't think they've had an A goaltender. So I don't think a goalie coach can make a B goalie an A goalie. Maybe I'm wrong on that and, and you, you can give me your thoughts on it. But uh, what, what do you make about uh, them sticking with their goalie coach? Uh, I, I mean, I'm... I'd say I'm not surprised that we, we had this discussion before. I mean, the, the only other market I've ever been asked about this to this extent is Winnipeg. And I remember having been on the ice with Wade Flaherty and seeing him work. And I've had the same pleasure with Dustin Schwartz and seeing him work. I believe that there was a really good goalie coach. And I believe the same things of Dustin Schwartz. And within a year and a half of continuously getting those questions in Winnipeg, Connor Hellebuck started to put all the things together that they were working on and ended up winning a Vesna trophy. So um, I'm not calling a Vesna trophy for Stuart Skinner, but I think he's a great example of a guy that 
you talk about exceeding expectations, even as a third round pick, I'm not sure anybody saw what happened last year. And yes, there's been a bit of a step back, but it looks like these last couple of games, he's finding things again. Um, there's one of the few guys that you could say, Hey, Dustin Schwartz has had a chance to work with this guy was a part of the process of, of picking him and bringing him in. And, and I think it's a pretty good example. I think you can put Tamika Koskinen and even Mike Smith and some of the results that Mike Smith had late in his career under Dustin Schwartz. So I understand where the criticism comes at a time when goaltending is in the spotlight. We could go through the numbers again. I know I've been hammering them ad nauseum to you, Jason, where they are defensively. Um, you know, I don't know that it matters who your goalies are right now, and yet you still want to be, like you said, the big save from Stuart Skinner the other night. You need more from your goaltending. I just don't think that's where you're going to find it. I don't think that's a change that needs to be made because I don't think that's where the problem lies. What about what you see? Because you know the technical side way more than I do, right? Um, when you see, because to me, I do you believe, A, though, that if you don't have an A goalie, like the goalie coach is not that he's irrelevant, but you can't take a B goalie and make it an A goalie. Or do you think a goalie coach can do that? Because I don't think a defense coach can make a, 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 a third pair guy a first pair guy. I don't believe it can happen. So um, do you believe a, a goalie coach can make that much of an impact in a player's career where suddenly they're going to be like, have you seen a goalie coach take a meh goalie and make him great? I, I mean, I've seen guys, and it's, it's all about the fit too, right? Like okay. I've seen guys who, you know, were later on in their career and hadn't really hit, get somewhere new, find a new voice, find a new message, and all of a sudden they hit. And sometimes that's just like a matter of, time and experience being willing to listen to a new voice. Like look at Jacob Markstrom yeah. when he got to Vancouver, right? And there were multiple voices involved in that. When he first got here, it was Roly Melanson asking him to play deeper in his crease. And he actually wasn't happy about it at the beginning. He's like, why'd you guys get me if you wanted to change me? Sometimes the goalie has to be ready for that message and ready for that voice. Um, and then Ian Clark comes in and adds another layer to Jacob Markstrom's game. So uh, you have seen goalie coaches have positive impacts. And again, I would point whether it's Koskin or Smith, I think there's been positive impacts from Dustin Schwartz. I, you know, just a couple of years ago, we were talking about how people didn't love the games of either of those guys. But when I pointed at the numbers, they were pretty strong. And I remember when both left kind of sort of throwing it out there, like, Hey, like everybody's happy to see these guys, you know, Mike Smith retire and everything. Thank you. Replacing them. Isn't yeah. that easy? Thank right? you. Like, That's what I the said. Numbers were good. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, and Dustin Schwartz is a part of that process. And I've talked to those guys. I've talked to Mika Koskin and I've talked to Mike Smith about the changes and they're often subtle. Um, I think the, the, what you want and what you see is when I, you see a guy with a lot of raw skill and then you add technique to it. Is it going to make a B guy an A guy? I'm not sure. But what you can find is more consistency. In, to me, technique breeds consistency. If you have a foundation you can go back to, you're less likely to ride the big waves of highs and lows. And I think that's where a goalie coach can have a real impact. Can't create athletes, um, but you can help sort of hone the technical and tactical game to help them find a higher level of consistency. And again, I think there's been examples there as much as nobody wants to hear it in Edmonton with Dustin Schwartz as the goalie coach. Kevin Woodley joins us from Ingle Magazine, NHL.com. And uh, you're getting a lot of hate texts right now, Woodley. So uh, welcome to the show. You're, uh, that's, uh, that's when you know you've said something. Because some people just want they just they want to find someone to blame, so they want to blame the goalie coach. And let's be honest, 99% of the people complaining, I don't know enough about goalies. I've said that all along. That's why I get guys like you on the show. I talk to other people about that position. I don't feel like I've gotten better. I've learned lots over the years talking to you. And, you know, I can pick out some things now, but 
you know, still, I would say I'm an extremely, uh, uh, you know, novice uh, when it comes to that. But uh, I, I do find a lot of people just they see something and then somebody writes it on Twitter and they now they believe it and blindly believe it, not knowing. So I, I do find there's a lot of uh, just, you know, piling on. They, they want to blame someone. So, hey, what's the one consistent in Edmonton? It's being the goalie coach. So, you know, I could see if someone said, hey, get another voice. Um, you know, maybe if that's your argument, at least I can kind of buy it. Um I do want to get to, uh, you know, like different goalies and, and systems. And you said, look, at, you said at the start of the year, you predicted Cam Talbot would have good numbers in L.A. Just because and just like the guy leaving L.A. wouldn't have as good a numbers in Ottawa. And uh, I'll give you credit. Bang on. Cam Talbot's in, in L.A. after he struggled in Ottawa. And now Corpus Allo's in Ottawa. And he's not having the same success that he had in L.A. Yeah, and hey, listen, like not to hammer on it because the people want to blame it on the goalie coach and the goalies. And and listen, I, I'm going to say they have to make more saves. 100%, they'll tell you the same thing in those big moments. But guess what? When the environment is that bad, it's really hard to overcome. And we've seen it in Ottawa for a number of years now. And on the flip side of it, the Kings continue to roll out what is probably the most goalie-friendly environment in the National Hockey League. And so Corpusalo goes in there last year and has a ton of success. Now he was playing really well. And I, I just, I guess at the end of the day, there are certain types of chances that if you see enough of them, the puck ends up in the net. And so this isn't to dismiss the job that Cam Talbot's done. It's more the compare contrast between what he was facing in Ottawa and what he faces in LA and the ability in a game that has become increasingly unpredictable for goaltenders, the dynamic offense that's out there, the lateral plays that, a lot of teams are trying to generate. Not the Oilers so much this year offensively. We talked about those numbers as well. But when you have that element, as much predictability as you can, like, hey, I trust that I can focus on this guy and this guy alone and that my defenseman's got that guy in the back door or my backtracking forward's going to catch up to that pinching defenseman so he's not a big concern. Like, you just sort of limit the options and allow yourself, as much as you still have to worry about all the possibilities – you can focus on your job first and trust everyone around you to do theirs. And we've seen that in L.A. for the past number of years. And, and again, it's not just the defensemen. You know, it's led, you know, we see it in Boston by Bergeron, sort of leading that mentality among the forwards, the importance of backtracking forwards. Anze Kopitar, Phil Deneau. Like, the reason these teams have success is not just because they have a great defensive system and great defensemen. It's because they get buy-in from forwards coming back. And I've seen the same thing in Vancouver this year. So, um, you know, Casey DeSmith looks great right now. He's 4 one He's doing a hell of a job for the Vancouver Canucks. Spencer Martin, people didn't think he could play in the league. The environments those guys are in <laughs> right now for DeSmith versus last year for Spencer Martin are, are night and day, Jason. And yeah. that's what you're seeing with Talbot and Forsberg right now. Um, are you surprised at Jonathan Quick or is it a product of the system? Hey, listen, Peter Laviolette produces great defensive teams, especially in his first couple of years. So I'm not surprised the goalies are having success. Uh, but I am surprised that Quick's having the level of success he's had. And good on him because the numbers last year, not just in L.A., but even once he got to Vegas, the adjusted numbers weren't flattering. And I thought this might be a move because Yaro Halak was good for them. And I thought this might be a move that bites them in terms of not just playoff position and where they are as a team, but being able to rest Igor Shesterkin. And Jonathan Quick, and I'm happy to say it, has shut me the hell up. He is playing great. And the thing I notice the most, he is playing contained. Rarely are you seeing him chase outside the blue ice. At the most, he's got the heels of his skates out there. And that's that's a bit of a big difference. He backed up over the years in L.A., but right now he just looks calm and controlled. And yeah, part of that's environment, but part of that's a tactical adjustment. I think that 
he's even more so adopted this year than in the past couple of years. And it really seems to be working for him in, in New York. And that's a good thing. Cause I talked to him when he came through here and Jason, like he, he grew up loving the Rangers. This is, this is sort of a dream come true for him to wear that Jersey. And it's kind of nice when these things happen to guys who've had such great careers that they go out hopefully on his own terms. And uh, lastly, uh, you know, there's some reports that the orders were looking at a goalie trade last week and then it didn't come to fruition. You know, I've seen names out there, Jake Allen, you know, Bennington, uh, Swayman, obviously Swayman is the one that would intrigue me the most. Uh, I, I'm very lukewarm on Bennington. Where would you come out on those three? Well, he's used to playing behind a bad defense. That would help. Um, he's used to seeing a lot of grade A chances. Like he's like, honestly, like he's in the narrative around St. Louis when they won the cup was that they were a good defensive team. And it was true. After that, it was pure narrative. They weren't his adjusted numbers. There's been ups and downs over the last couple of years, but they've been pretty solid this year. They're spectacular again. And what I really break down when I'm looking at these guys, how do they manage the rush? Yeah. And in both the case of Bennington and the case of Jake Allen, both are exceptional off the rush. They have good adjusted numbers overall, but when you break it down to just rush chances, they're really good there. A little less so. Listen, Swayman's, Swayman's upside is so huge, and he's been really good amongst the best in the league this year, but he just doesn't see this many rush chances. Yeah. So it's a little harder to get a read on how he would handle it compared to the other two. I know Bennington's got some, you know, he's got a personality that not everybody loves, but when it comes to stopping pucks behind a team that gives up a lot of great A's, he's been exceptional. Hard to maintain over a whole year. But from uh, what he stops and what they give up standpoint, he'd be a fit. Hmm. All right. Good stuff, Kev. We appreciate it, my man. We'll do it again next Monday. Have a good one. Thank you, Jason. Have a great week. That's uh, Kevin Woodley and Ingle Magazine and NHL.com. We'll come back. Uh, we'll hear from the new bench boss of the Edmonton Orders, uh, Chris Knobloch, on the Jason Greger Show with Connor Halley, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, live in the EUL studio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are back here on the Jason Greger Show. Connor Halley is sitting in for the final segment as Greger makes his way down to the Ice District for the Oilers game, taking on the New York Islanders puck drop 
at about uh, 6.42, I believe Gregor said was the exact time. So if you want to uh, get a little pregame coverage once we wrap up here on the Gregor Show, head over to the Oilers Nation YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, you're already there, so just hang around. You can join uh, Aaron Bordado for pregaming, and they'll get you all set up for puck drop at 6.30. It says probably closer to 6.42. Right now, we are going to go in to the coaching report. Brought to you by Action Electrical. They're in their 50th year of business, and I'm doing a little reading up on the company here. You can get commercial solar panels. You can do residential paybacks between six to eight years or less. Uh, something to look into for sure. Action Electrical. This brought to you by Actual Electrical, as I said. And, of course, Chris Knobloch, uh, speaking to the media today, just announced as the head coach of the team yesterday. Now, here are some of the thoughts he had going into tonight's game. First day, you're jumping in on the ice. What? How do you boil down the message or for the players tonight? What do you try to get across? Uh, trying to make it as simple as possible. Obviously, there's got to be changes because of... Um, the record and obviously there's a change of um, the head coach being the the biggest change but just changing the person up here talking um, at the podium or in the dressing room or rolling the lines that's not going to make the difference but um, I think it's really important the players feel themselves feel confident and put the start of the season behind them and we've talked about some minor changes to our systems and we're going to move on from there. And as the season progresses, there'll be more and more changes, but we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not doing anything very drastic. We just got to get better at executing details and things will look after themselves. I know you mentioned that yesterday as well, a little bit about frustration, and I think you mentioned pressure. I assume you've seen at least some games or some video of the games. Like, Did, did you sense that even just watching on a screen that there's something... Just not clicking with the guy? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's numerous games. I know, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching the Rangers, obviously, because I was affiliated with them. And um, that game was clear, but especially um, the, the the Vancouver game, where in the first period, I believe the shots were heavily lopsided, 18-4. And after the second, or going into the second period, you're trailing. But there was domination, domination. And, um, and then there's just, uh, just, being over aggressive, trying to score that goal, and um, then what happens is you're being over aggressive. Forwards are anticipating the defenseman keeping a puck in, defenseman's chasing a puck that they weren't quite going to get, maybe 50 50, and then it ends up getting chipped out, and you're giving up an odd man rush, and uh, now you're giving up a goal. So the, the passion is there, the work ethic is there, but I think there's the frustration of I got to make it happen this shift. And what happens is it's mistakes are piling up that way. Chris, we didn't really have time to get into this yesterday, but tonight will be your first uh, game as a full-time NHL head coach. I know you had some games in New York uh, during the COVID year, but you were more there just to fill in. Can you kind of talk about just, you know, take a moment what this means for you and how exciting it is to, to be now an NHL head coach? Yeah, it is quite a different. Uh, when I was uh, there as uh, interim head coach with uh, New York, it was it was fun. It was um, there was no pressure on me. I was there running the bench, and obviously being in the NHL was exciting. And now it's a little bit different. Obviously, when you are the head coach here and it's your position, and your decisions are being um, uh, questioned and uh, evaluated, obviously there's a lot more pressure. But um, that being said, I'm 
I'm just as excited or even not even more that it's it's my call it's my decisions and it's eventually it's going to be my team uh, you know it's going to take some time to um, implement all my systems and all my expectations to the players but it's it's a process that I'm Really excited to get going. We saw today, uh, you know, Connor and, and Leon. They've been split up a lot, but they played a lot together lately. Do you feel, when having watched and what you've seen apart, is your team better when they're going to center their top two lines? Can give you a potential mismatch with both. Well, I, I think so. It's it's a difficult um, situation. You got two players that have to be on the ice or play a lot, and when they are separated. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at 19 to 23 minutes with McDavid and 19 to 23 minutes with Dreisaitl. Well, then you don't have many minutes for the third and fourth line. Um, and it's so important to get your third and fourth line contributing and have an identity. But when the top two lines are playing so much, it takes away from their game and it creates problems. But, um, well, to solve that problem is put... Drysaddle and McDavid on the same line, and then there's that not that issue. It's so much easier to roll those lines and get everyone playing. Um, it's it's going to be a challenge, but I do think we're better off having those two on separate lines. And there's going to be times where they definitely will. Every game, they're going to have shifts that they are together, especially like after penalty kills, after breaks, uh, last shift in the periods, and stuff like that. They will be playing together. Is there a chance? There you go. That is Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch as he spoke to the media earlier today ahead of tonight's game as the Oil taking on the New York Islanders down at the Ice District. Probably going to be a good one. Should be interesting to see how the Oilers respond. And we're also hearing now, uh, Mighty Cobra says no one pronounces Knobloch the proper German way. And it also translates into garlic. I saw that going around the internet earlier today. Uh, Mighty Cobra, let us know the proper pronunciation. Is it Nablak? Is that how it's supposed to be? Uh, We might have to talk to Coach and and get the proper pronunciation so we don't have any issues with that one going forward. Uh, That's going to do it for us here on the Jason Greger Show today. Big thank you to all of our guests that hopped on. If you missed anything, make sure you... Head over to uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure you subscribe and download. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. We will have Sean Brown in studio co-hosting, back from vacation, Dave McCarthy, Jason Strudwick, a whole list of the usuals, Mark Spector as well. Still waiting on that pronunciation for Knobloch, Mighty Cobra. Get it in quickly here. Uh, Big thank you again to everyone who tuned in and joined us on the program today. If you want some Oilers pregame coverage, head over to the Oilers Nation YouTube channel right now. Aaron Bordato going live, getting you set up for this one. We're about uh, 45 minutes away from Puck Drop. I'm Connor Halley for Jason Greger. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great night, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 o'clock here on the Jason Greger Show, brought to you by Play Alberta.